Hey, one more thing before you go. In this special Spiritual Sunday throwback, I want to share with you one of my favorite episodes that I had with an individual that opened my mind, body, and soul to a unique way of experiencing life and getting healthy in the process. If you think about it, the mind is a time traveler. While the body is routed in the present, the mind can go to the past, the future, and the present. The mind and body have a natural yearning to be together. In our busy Western lifestyles, our mind becomes overstimulated and tends to fly all over the place. The ancient Tibetan monks called this the monkey mind. Qigong is all about bringing the mind into the present. So I hope you enjoy this spiritual Sunday throwback episode, and it opens up your opportunity to connect with the universe. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. Are you looking for a better mind-body-soul connection? Can working with energy in the physical body in the form of Qigong, which is a Korean form of Qigong, be an option with healing physical and mental aspects of our overall health and well-being? Stay tuned, because in this episode, we're going to talk to a Qigong master, and he's going to reveal the secrets to a healthier, happier lifestyle. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is The Thing About Qigong, Meditation, and mastering our mind, body, and soul. My guest in this episode is Peter Paul Parker. He's an expert in the mind-body connection, a sound healer, and working with both the energy body and the physical body, a Qigong international champion. He is a coach who has done some amazing work with the elderly, created a unique charity called Brighter Living to help the elderly with their health and their well-being using Qigong as well as meditation. He also worked with younger people and connecting the generations between young and old. This is an outstanding opportunity to learn, to motivate, and inspire you to get healthy, to live a healthy, happier life, and do it from the inside out. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you very much, Michael. It's really good to be here, and thank you for such a wonderful introduction. Well, you you uh, have a journey, and an amazing journey that not only has helped yourself, but uh, it has learned to help uh, many, many people across the world, actually. Yeah, I, I started off as a, a musician. I was born in Kingston. Uh, I had five brothers, and uh, it was it was really rosy until the age of 11. And that's when my mother, well, my father became disabled at the age of 10. My mother died when I was 11. So the world kind of started to crash inwards, as it were, and I was sent off to boarding school. And there were paedophiles at the boarding school, which luckily didn't affect me, but they affected the people around me. And I still see, I speak to some of them today, 30, 40, 50 years later, they're still still harmed by that interaction with them. Anyway, I went through the boarding school. It was, very, it was a very traumatic childhood. And then my father died when I was 19. So I kind of went out into the world and looking for something to do with my life. And I had I had had a really good education, or so they said, and it was like a conditioning to work in London because I live quite near London. Uh, that's where you grew up, is in London. In yeah, Britain. south southwest London, Surbiton, uh, Kingston, Kingston. Sorry, and I'm living in Surbiton now. And I walked into sales because sales was a very well paid job at that time, and I was earning really good money. Had a, a, a flat. I was going out every night eating well, um, and I was just really unhappy, absolutely unhappy, because 
it was just traumatizing me all the time. The the the, the people. Uh, it was like working with a bunch of sharks, basically. So I decided to drop all of that, uh, become courageous, and I became a musician. Not just on a whim, just thinking I'm going to be a musician because I was playing uh, in in school bands, and I was playing with another band. We're going playing places like the Rock Garden, which are quite established venues in London, and. I started playing places like the Marquee, which were like bigger places. And I decided just to become a musician after that experience. Went off to base college and for about 10 years, I was a professional musician. So that I found that like a meditation for me. It was like a soothing because I was at such a level with my music that I could, I was playing with some phenomenal musicians and we used to make up the music. We call it jamming in between the songs that we'd learned. And those moments were watching the music unfold and it was like a massive meditation for me and very soothing. And I didn't realise that until that kind of dried up on me. After about 10 years, the rock scene started to fade and it all started to fall apart again. I noticed the stress and anxiety creeping back into my life and also the traumatic triggers that seemed to have haunted me most of my life and they were coming back. I was getting more angry, more irritable and snappy with people because of the, the, the fading career. And and it was quite a journey from being really happy and close to my mother to coming out of that from school and then going into work and then finding music, which I, I, I loved and I still do today. I, I still, I still write music and I still perform, but only on a very small level. And, and, and then I, I, I found the mind body spirit arena which is what you were talking about earlier about qigong yeah it's, it's um it's really interesting that uh, uh you you and i have similarities in several parts of our life and the reason for getting into mind body soul i think is a very positive thing from our both of mm. our journeys perspective uh i i know that we've talked about qigong and you and i prior to the starting this interview i had mentioned to you that i uh, practiced qigong uh, for my arthritis, for my rheumatoid. It helps me to uh, get mobility and more relaxed and to manage my pain, to help me walk better and things like this. Can we talk about the differences between Qigong and Qigong? Qigong is the, basically, Qigong is the Chinese way. So when you're studying with the, the, the Chinese way, you talk about the Dantians. Uh, when you study the Korean way, you, you talk about the Danjons. So that, that's the two difference. Um, it's difficult to say where Qigong actually started. There was one family who started it before Tai Chi. It came before Tai Chi. So it was looked upon as a healing art, part of the five uh, uh, elements of Chinese traditional medicine. So it was part of that. And what I loved about researching into Qigong or Qigong is that the practitioners would stop getting paid when they're clients got sick so they they the, the clients would pay them to keep healthy and as soon as they, they stop doing their job properly um, they stop getting paid so really qigong is a healing art it's, a, it's about combining your mind your body and your breath together and what fascinated me was the energy that was behind it because i was heavy and depressed with trauma and felt really bad coming out of my music business um career and I was really looking for something to do. And my, my wife and I went up to the Mind, Body, Spirit show in Earl's Court and we found this place where I started talking to them. And I'd, I'd studied martial arts before that. And 
so I was used to uh, doing group classes and they said, well, just come in and try a class. And I realized very quickly that my stress and anxiety was, was fading really quickly. I mean, really, really quickly. And then slowly after the time went on, like uh, after six months, a year, I noticed my traumatic childhood starting to fade as well, almost like it happened to a different human being, which is, I found quite incredible. So I, I, I carried on working with this and I decided to actually become an instructor after my teacher said to me, why don't you go and work in that old people's home? Uh, it was called the Elderly Community Centre in, in Epsom, which was just up the road. And I thought, I've got nothing in common with these elderly people. My parents had died. I'd lost contact with all my elderly relatives. So I started going in and teaching this. And there was, there was only about six of them to start off with. And it was so alien to me when I first learned it, learning about energies and the meridians and the chakra system or the danjons, which I'll explain later. Um, it, it, I, I went in there and thought, I'm, I'm going to back this up with Western science. So I started to do lots of deep research into the studies that have been done on Tai Chi, Qigong and yoga and telling them when they were doing certain exercises, this was doing this for them. And mainly I focused on arthritis, actually, uh, lots of little hand exercises. And the miracles started to happen within three, four months. There was ladies there who couldn't open jars um, with their hands. And then after about three to four months, they started to open jars again. Their, their uh, power and strength came back into their hands because they started to use their energy. And I also started to see a different outlook in them because they were all negative at first when I first went in there. Oh, you know, we've been thrown on the scrap heap. Society doesn't respect the elderly anymore. And then after a few months, they were all starting to talk with each other more and starting to help each other more. And they were starting to really get into their breathing exercises and their moving exercises. And the class catapulted from six people to about 30 people. You couldn't get anybody, any more people in the room towards the end of, of the, the session. Uh, the time I was teaching there, it was, it was absolutely jam-packed. So at that point, I, I could see the enormous difference this was making to people. Uh, and that's when I decided I, I'm going to do this for a living and uh, leave leave the music and start to do this for a living because it was so beautiful to see elderly human beings that you could see it was just their vehicle. Their, their vehicle was their body and they changed um, inside to be more brighter and more positive but their their vehicle hadn't hadn't changed that much, just a little bit, a little same, a really good service rather than uh, changing the whole vehicle. And they were they were better, you know, they were like um, brighter, and, and the eyes started to shine because their energy body was starting to ignite. And they were going and teaching these uh, uh, techniques to their grandchildren. Their grandchildren first laughed at them, saying, "Oh, you're doing qigong and um, yoga," uh, because it's, it was kind of a qigong stroke yoga type practice but it is all qigong really and it was just incredible for me to see that happening it was, it was absolutely beautiful so i decided to set up a charity in my local area called brighter living because of that and we actually did a an impact study back in 2019 2020 we did uh, one uh, it was actually at an alzheimer's and parkinson's community center another two were at elderly community centers and what was absolutely amazing was the fact that each of the scientific studies that I'd been quoting from 
really mirrored what we'd done as a research. About 70-odd people uh, were affected by this. About 85 people were affected by this, 65. And it kind of correlated with all the uh, scientific research that we'd done. And, and that was it. I, I was completely hooked, hook, line, and sinker with this practice after that. I was thinking, there's something to this, and I really want to get to the bottom of it. And what I love about Qigong is, is it's very easy to start with. Uh, it's very difficult to master, very, very difficult to master, but very easy to get into. And the results happen very, very quickly if you focus your mind on it. And that's, that's, that's the most important thing. Let's get rid of all the conditioning, all the roadblocks that we have, all the anchors that keep us attached to where we're at. Open your mind up and get on with it. And, and you, you find, whoa, what's happening here then? And, and, and what I found was, was wonderful. So that got me out doing about 15 classes a week. I was seeing about 150 to 200 people a week in my local area just teaching. And it was, I was living the life, as it were, of like the Qigong master. <laughs> it, was, it was a wonderful thing. And it lasted about a year and a half. It all happened before, before lockdown. And I was loving it because you, you, I was seeing people just change for the better. All this tight, negative sort of attitude with closed minds was all disappearing. And I'm going, yeah, this is great. Not with everybody. There was people who came in and just laughed and walked out again. I thought, that's fine. Just let them go. It's the core people that I wanted to change. And that, that led me to setting up my own academy, uh, Bright Beings Academy, to teach Qigong and also – I was going into schools and teaching there. And there was one particular school that I went into, which was phenomenal. There was uh, about 60 children in the room in front of me. And again, I'd never taught anything like this to school, uh, school children before. So they were all playing about and being fidgety and having this lovely childlike energy in front of me. And I thought, oh, this is good. This is good. But I'm, I've got no idea how I'm going to do this. So I'm just going to stick to the training. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to make them laugh and then calm them down. Because the way we do it, which is the Korean way, is, is to build up the energy first. And then when you get to the relaxation point, you are wanting to relax because they, they pushed us quite hard in our trainings when I was training to be an instructor. Yeah, so I did that with the children. If I, if I, I did I may, that with please, the Just to help our listeners understand, Qigong, Qigong, it's the movement of energy within your body to help balance your body, including manage pain, stress, and levels. You move the energy in and around your body, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll, 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 I'll talk about that in a second. So the children were completely transformed with this energy. Um, it was, uh, it was, we do vibration and tapping and uh, some stretching. So stretching out the meridians. And then they were going into their meditation and you could see the change in them from these fidgety little children who were like full of this nervous energy into this wonderful, graceful little human beings that they are. And five or six of them came up to me afterwards and said, thank you so much. That was a wonderful session. I'm going to go and tell my mum and dad all about it. And I thought, yes, that's, that's what it's all about. So Qigong is about utilizing your energy well. And it's, uh, so key in, in Korean means energy basically and gong very difficult to translate these eastern words because they have so many different words which mean so much and when we use the word like meditation is a classic example or sensitive is another classic example but 
Gong really kind of means utilizing well, could even mean mastering or, or using your energy well, basically. I'll, I'll stick with that. So you have three lower, you have three danjons, we call it the lower danjon, the middle danjon, and the upper danjon. And the lower danjon is all about your power energy, your passion, and your creativity. And it's linked with your neocortex through the vagus nerve. So you, you've got uh, like a biological linking with that. So that's where your energy comes from. Then you, it's linked with your two lower chakras, which are basically your root, your second, and it comes up to your third chakra. So your root is to do with your connection with the earth and the connection with your tribe, as it were, your community. And when that's a little bit off, you might feel a bit isolated or alone or, or feel rejected by your peers, as it were. And your second chakra, which is your lower danjon, is actually to do with your one-to-one -one relationships. And also about survival. These two lower chakras are about survival. or And if they're running out of control, as it were, greed, which we're seeing a lot in our world today, is a lot of greed, where I feel the lower chakras are shot to bits, so people are having to get more and more stuff in because they want more and more stuff because their lower chakras are, are, are saying, you know, I need more, I need more. And that's where I think balance needs to come into your energy body. Because once you get the balance into your energy body, you realize I've got enough, I have enough, I am enough, you know, and, and your relationships become better because your energy becomes settled down in your, your lower Dan John. And then when you come up to your solar plexus chakra which is coming up to your middle danjon that's to do with your willpower and your determination once you clear that you can start pushing towards the heart which is the heart energy which is the middle danjon which is your love energy and your compassion and when we when it's running too high you, you become a people pleaser i.e you're trying to be, please people all the time you, you start to go out and, and, and keep saying yes because you're so compassionate you say yes to everybody and you start to exhaust yourself emotionally so that needs to be in balance and it needs to be checked and once you start to do that your empathy and your compassion does actually grow and according to the heart math institute when they studied people who are showing love and gratitude the electromagnetic frequency area of the heart actually grows and it's the, it is the biggest electromagnetic frequency. You would think it was the brain, but it isn't. It's actually the heart area. And these are connected. This is connected to the lower danjon through the vagus nerve, but also through neurons, which they don't know how they actually connect. Well, science doesn't, but I, I say that it is through energy. So we have energy or meridian lines going through our body that connects this, this lower danjon, the middle danjon. And then you come up to the throat shackles, obviously about your expressions, and a lot of people aren't expressing themselves properly today. They're worried about what other people think. They're worried about what society thinks. So they, they might see something and go, hey, this is wrong. I, I don't agree with this. But because of peer pressure and how society works today, you're not really allowed to have an opinion. So that can be squashed. And you're seeing a lot of people with thyroid issues, I, I feel, because of that, because the energy is not flowing through the, the, the throat chakra. And then you've got the upper danjon, which is your natural intuition and your natural vision and your natural wisdom or some would say like my wife would say your common sense and common sense again is is it feels like it's, it's flying out the window because 
we're not doing things that are of common sense anymore, it seems like. So your upper danjon, which they call Shin Myong, Shin Myong training, which is your third eye, you're, you're, you're building on your intuition. And we as human beings have phenomenal intuition. We have phenomenal natural wisdom and phenomenal vision to see past the, the problems that we, we have, especially in today's world. And I feel once we start to ignite this, that that's when it all starts to happen. And then you've got the, obviously the, the crown chakra, not obviously, but the crown chakra, which is the seventh uh, chakra, which they call the heaven's gate in Korean, which is where the this higher energy comes in. So the chakra system or the danjons are all to do with frequency. So frequency is very interesting because when you've got a low waveform, it's a very slow, heavy waveform. <coughs> And a, a higher waveform is very quick and ja um, jagged. And you want to get those into synchrony. So they need to be moving in synchrony. And when you're stressed or anxious or the energy is not running through them properly, they become jagged and all over the place. So when you, you want to get them, your, your body in synchrony with itself. And the chakra system actually goes up in vibrational waveform. So it gets higher. The higher the frequency is, the higher the chakra is. And it actually goes up in musical notes and you can use your voice as sound healing to tone yourself with that, which is very soothing. And the, the, the it's just incredible when you do start to learn how to tone for yourself or even hum, you don't have to even sing, you can even hum, you start to vibrate with the field around you. And I found working with sound and Qigong together is, is just such a potent combination because you're doing so many different things. Uh, and if you think about this, the stressful world we live in today, I ask people to put their hands up if they feel like they're not living in a stressful world at the moment. And nobody, nobody puts their hands up. So we all know we're living in a very stressful world. And what that does, that pushes us into the sympathetic nervous state. So everything starts to compress and all your blood goes out to your muscles. And what I love about Qigong and, and, and sound healing is they bring you back into your parasympathetic nervous state, your rest, digest, and heal. And you start to get vasodilation, vasodilation across the body. So everything starts to open up and all the blood vessels and all the, the veins and all the capillaries and everything starts to work properly. And therefore, energy is starting to move around the body in, in a proper manner. So... We, we are incredibly energetic beings. We've got so much energy in us. We could, if, we were, if we could really focus our energy, we could put a lightning bolt across a room. That's how much energy we have inside of our bodies with all the cells, if you, if you add it all up. And I've seen masters do incredible things with their minds. Like one, one little Scottish guy who's a, a taekwondo master. And there was these two guys who were about six foot five in the class. And he was about five foot four. And he said to them, pick me up, pick me up. So they just picked him up uh, quite easily, picked him up. And then he said, right, now you're not going to be able to pick me up. And for the life of them, they just could not pick this guy up off the floor. It was just like, wow. and that was my introduction to key energy or, or chi energy and, and how you can transfer your energy into a, a different form, like a weight or even a power. And that's what we are. We, we're energetic beings as much as physical beings. And we're, we're guided away from that every single step of the way through our education system. And, and we're just not told, I don't feel, the, the truth about what we are because actually we don't know.
We don't know. There's a mystery behind it, which I find wondrous, actually. Once you get into this whole state of clearing up your energy system, clearing up your mind, seeing things a lot more clearly, you can go, actually, this is amazing, this life. Look at this world. It's amazing. Look at the people in it. Look how many different conversations I can have with all these different people and all these different insights I can see. And that's why I'm such a big advocate of everybody getting into some form of energy work because it, it does change your perception of the world because our, our brains just are receivers and transmitters of information. That's all they are. The actual real business going on is the heart and the gut. That's, that's where your, a lot of your emotions come from, a lot of your energy comes from. And these are, these are all connected with neurons. And I just find this incredible, this whole practice of actually having the power to self-regulate and self-heal just by using your mind and your energy. Is, is, that's where it's at, surely. <laughs> 100%. I mean, uh, my listeners already know this, but I have um, literally... I've been through seven. Uh, I have background noise again. I've I've been through uh, seven operations, and uh, going through seven operations each time that I had gone through them, uh, the luckily I had surgeons that were very very good surgeons, but they they understood my perspective. So I I went through them with. No, no, I didn't walk out of there with no Vicodin, no codeine, no products like that. My wife came in um, after the surgeries and gave me acupuncture. And we used acupuncture to help heal. I was walking, I got two knee replacements and a hip replacement, as well as both my shoulders because of my injuries as well as the rheumatoid arthritis. And um, I, I can validate what you're saying because I used mind, body, and soul to walk the same day that I had my knees replaced, to walk the same mm -hmm. day that my hip replaced. And when um, it came time for recovery, I was walking on my own within three weeks of leaving. And uh, typically they don't, they, don't, they don't want you to do that. It takes uh, up to 12 weeks to recover. I recovered in five weeks average on both my knee surgeries and my hip surgery. And I, I, I've done... I've done so much better from that perspective than I think that I would have ever done with the painkillers and going through this protocol, walking with the cane, and then step up from the cane to the walker, the, you know, uh, or walk with the, excuse me, with a stand-up walker, and then work my way down to a um, smaller walker, and then a smaller walker to a cane, and then a cane to, to more exercise. I went from a walk-up walker for a week to a cane for a week, to walking by the third week. And I did that with practicing Qigong. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. What happened with me is uh, I, uh, in a, when I was about uh, 12 years of age, I, I was in a rugby. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of rugby, the mm -hmm. game rugby in, in, in the States. I, do. I was quite a big 12-year-old, uh, so they put me in as the prop, which is like the front row of the scrum. And they put you in a, a scrum machine. I had no idea what I was doing, so I was in this position with these, these big guys pushing behind me, and my my whole body twisted and it, and it kind of messed up my lower back. And because I was a, a kid, it, it re repaired quite quickly. And 
later on down the line when I first started, well, not when I first started teaching, it was about uh, a few years into teaching and I was really getting more deeply into my hips, opening up my hips and my lower back. And there was one class where it clicked again and I was obviously getting very close to healing it. And I, it went, and I thought, I can't move. <laughs> I can't move. I'm in the middle of a class. I can't move. So I quickly got them down onto the floor and did some breathing meditations. But I still sat down at the end of it and I still went through the, uh, the, the sharing at the end and I wished all the students goodbye. And then I, I went home, I, I packed the gear up, went home, and then I had to lie down on the flat floor. And since then, I've been working on my back, doing a lot of work on the back. And it's, 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 complete, it's virtually completely disappeared and my hips are opening up nicely now. But also another thing that I had when I was younger, when I had a motorbike, I had a motorbike accident and I fractured my collarbone and my elbow. And every winter it would ache and really ache nastily. And after about a year, two years of tapping, I noticed that the, the, the winters that there was no more ache in my bones. It, it all disappeared. And I, I turned, turned that around as well. And uh, I just see myself going through this, but also more importantly, I think the people that I teach uh, are going through this, these transformations. Like I saw a 94 year old man with polio couldn't get his elbow away from his, his um, chest. And, and then he, after a little while he was getting his elbows up because he was starting to focus on his energy and using his energy rather than his muscles. Oh, uh, and you just go, oh my goodness me! In 94 years of age, and he could still turn his body around. You know, it, it just it, it defies belief. But you've got to, you've got to really, you've got to want to do it. You've got to want to do it, uh, and that's what I felt really drives me on is to see things like that. When you see people, um, like I saw, I think it was she was 89 years of age. She was towards the end of her life. You could tell that, and she was really hunched over. And then the day when she started to do like an opening chest exercise and she straightened her back and she stood up, didn't realize how tall she was. Uh, and uh, she just straightened up and she she shined for the last week or so of her life. She shined. She was she was just so happy. Um, she even asked me to marry her. I had to obviously respectfully decline. <laughs> but well, she, but she what was, an amazing gift you gave her. I mean, oh, that's an amazing gift you gave her. She shined, and and to me, it's it, that's that's it. That's what it's all about for me now. You know, I, I um, find I find it really interesting that um, you have worked from from the elderly and given them a new purpose um, in their life, so to speak, by allowing and and helping to motivate and inspire them that they are not. Uh, well, I think you put it earlier, thrown on the trash heap. Mm. That, that they still have self-worth and they still have an opportunity to enjoy their life and move it forward. I really respect that. I've watched mm. too many people, especially in this day and age, that uh, you know, parents are put into, um, uh, and I'm not mentioning any facilities or anything, but um, they're put into a home or they're put into a facility and within that facility, they're forgotten. Oh. And, yeah. you know, it's, we, my father-in-law, we took care of him. We had Louis body dementia. And I, in fact, I was going to ask you about uh, this here in a second about the, when you mentioned earlier about dealing with uh, dementia and Alzheimer's patients, but he took mm. care of him with Louis body dementia. And we took care of him here at home because he was terrified of going into um, a home 
into a facility because he watched his father go into a facility and um, watched his father uh, uh, basically wither away to and died alone. Well, I mean, obviously, when I say alone, he was in a facility, but he didn't have any family with him. He was left in a facility. He didn't want that to be done. In my lifetime as a cop, um, you know, I dealt with a lot of people that, and when I say this, it's going to sound very, very brash, that wanted us to take their elderly parent away or their their elderly spouse away because they couldn't take care of them anymore. And it was, mm. yeah, it just wasn't, it just wasn't good. So from your perspective and what you've done, I have much respect that you took these people and these individuals and moved them forward in a very positive way to give them new purpose in life, just based mm. on giving them the opportunity to learn how to move their energy around and understanding that they have more self-worth than what they thought they had. Yeah, I think that's one of the major problems in 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 Western society and East now is is the wisdom is the wisdom is something that I'm really passionate about because these elderly people they've all lived a life they've all had these experiences and once you start to pass that experience down to the generations not in a finger wagging way but to say well right. if you do that this, this is going to happen and if you do that this is going to happen by all means go and do it and I'll be here when you've done it but I'm just warning you now, <laughs> this could happen if you do that. And it's, it's to me, it's that interaction that we're missing all the time. And it's becoming quite sad to see that because there's all that untapped potential that the elderly people give to their families. And I see on both stretches, uh, I see both sides uh, where there's elderly people who are in their family well in the family and it's just a beautiful unit to see mm. and there's other ones where they're just being pushed to the side and like they're inconvenient that they're there even though that they've brought their children up sacrificed a heck of a lot to put them through their schooling and then they get to a certain age where they just well you're, you're inconvenient now so could you please go to a home you know and i think that that is disgraceful as far as i'm concerned i i i, I can understand when it's a, a difficult position like parkinson's and alzheimer's because I, I can understand that's very very difficult and that must be a heart-wrenching decision decision to actually do that so i've got i've got no issue with that but it's just when there's a way of of, of working together with your elderly parents or elderly relatives um, you should be looking for it rather than just giving up. It seems to be such a throwaway society we live in today, which is even throw your, your family members away. And I, I find that heartbreaking because when you lose your family members at an early age, you do become resilient, self-sufficient. You do, I'm going to do this. Whatever happens, I've, I've got to do it. I've got no choice. Yep. And it gives you that certain feeling of being around other human beings that, Actually, we are reliant on each other. And once we become reliant on each other and we start to trust each other, that's when the magic starts to happen. That's when the energy starts to flow. And to actually lose your parents at a very early age, you realize quickly that person's going to help. You build your intuition up. That person's going to be good to me. That person isn't. That person isn't. That person is. And you build up your um, relationships like that on a more discerning sort of wise way. Yep. And that's important for all of us to do that because there's, there's people who will come and take your last penny. 
and there's other people who will give you their last penny and, and it's just discerning that and what i love about the whole mind body spirit arena when you get to the real core of the people there's some absolutely beautiful gems in there that people who would just give you everything literally and say here go here's all my wisdom here's all i've got to know have this for yourself and see where you take it and if you need anything come to me and i've met a few people like that and when people say life is a journey it most definitely is if you open up your antenna to it Mm-hmm. because you can look back through your life and go, oh, I met this guy here and I met that girl there and I met this guy here. And it kind of paints a picture to where you where you seem to be going. And, and that's what happened with me with music because I, I wanted to kind of entertain people and make people happy as a musician. But I realized that was a, there was something missing inside of me because I wasn't actually interacting with them. There were just faces, blurred faces in, in like a, a, at a gig. Whereas with, with the Qigong, and you actually see them come into the class really stressed and really anxious, and you see them float out of the class like a butterfly. You think, whoa, there you go. That's 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 what you should be looking at. Try and stick with that all, all week, and I'll see you next week. And sure enough, they come in stressed again. And that's one of the problems I had with sound healing was was that particular issue was that they were using it like a massage rather than as a healing sort of form because the reason i got into sound healing in particular was i was trying to discredit the chakra system because that's how my mind was i think this has got to be all sort of woo woo sort of new age stuff so i started looking at the chakra system i thought okay i'm going to get these tuning forks and see if it actually works and i bought these tuning forks and and which were tuned up to the chakra system and I started waving these forks over the chakras, and it was phenomenal. So if the ch- chakra was underperforming, it would go, as you're going over the chakra, if it was overperforming, and I was literally knocked sideways when this first started to happen to me. I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, well, this is, this is real. So I, I devised this 40-minute session to do with sound toning with uh, Tibetan bells and things like that uh, I was using and energy chimes. And it was like a sonic bath. And what I found was amazing was that I could tell which shackle was underperforming or overperforming. And before asking them or telling them what my diagnosis was, they would tell me literally or give me an inkling of what shackle was was good and which shackle was bad. Uh, And also with what they call the solfeggio tones around the body. They were doing that as well. I was using tuning forks on that. So if someone was saying that they were feeling a little higher spiritually, there would be certain higher solfeggio tones that would be reacting in a positive way or that they were needing healing or or some sort of um, respite from the world. There would be a certain frequency in the solfeggio tones that would not be for, uh, in in resonance with the body, and it was it's it just the the weirdest thing to put a tuning fork across a human body and and hear it become dissonant. It's, it's like ugly ugly sound, out of tune sound, and that made me realise the whole body is an orchestra, and we've got uh, frequencies all inside of our bodies, which is what the uh, Eastern Chinese med- uh, medicine philosophy tells us that like uh, the kidneys. And the liver and the heart, they all have different frequencies. And it's we have a core frequency, and there's other frequencies that go around that. 
frequency, which actually creates matter. And if you look into cymatics, you can see matter being created by two frequencies being shot across a metal plate with sand on it. And I've even seen the sand rise off the plate and turn into like a solar system. And you go, well, it's sound, sound. And they say in, in the beginning there was the word, or is it in the beginning there was the sound? This is the same with the Vedas. The Vedas said the uh, material creation was through sound. So that's what fascinated me with sound and, and sound healing. And when you get a body into resonance, you, you just feel fantastic. Absolutely. You feel better than any drink or drunk, drug you could ever take. And you just feel clear and you could see everything really, really well. And that's what I loved about sound healing. But the, the problem with it is that when you give someone a treatment, they go away, they do the same bad habits that they've got. You, you, they're coming back and you're just doing the same thing week in, week out. And all you're doing is taking somebody's money like giving them a massage, which I suppose is important in some ways. But to me, it didn't feel right because I, I, I was saying to them, you have to find out what is happening inside of you um, to uh, heal so this doesn't keep coming back again and again and again, which is why I kind of more went towards the sound of the Qigong, teaching Qigong and becoming a meditation coach because you start to look into more looking more deeply to the issues that you, you may be having as a human being and starting to clear those up, which is what happened with me and my journey, which is now I do that with other people, either with meditation, coaching or, or teaching Qigong, whichever they need and whichever they prefer. But sound and this whole field of the mind, body, spirit is, is mind boggling. And you, you just, you can never get to the end of it because it, we, I don't think we ever will because our mind's so limited with it. But I, th I think what's important to realize is that our mind, like everything else, needs to keep moving. And we can stop it and make it still, but it needs to keep moving because everything is moving in this whole physical reality. Everything's moving. So to be able to get the mind to focus on your breathing, that means you're still, it's still moving, but in a much slower way. So you become a lot more calmer. And it feels like you have got a still mind when you finally get it. And you can actually clear your head of your thoughts. And when you get to that point, it, it, I don't know, it's just, just, it's the weirdest feeling ever. <laughs> you go, wow, there's nothing in my head. And then obviously that, that thought pops in your head because you're so shocked that nothing's in your head. And it's just, your mind is still working, but it's just working on the silence now and working on your body. And that's where your healing comes from. And that's where your natural ability to, feel good about yourself and, and all, all these wonderful attributes that we have as human beings to experience this five sense reality we, we seem to be dulling them with all the stuff that we do and that's why i feel qigong is the way forward for me definitely to teach that and and coaching on meditation that's that's outstanding that's actually outstanding, I, I, believe I believe that i believe that the um the, uh, uh, hang on. i believe that the uh aspect of mind body soul balance is uh, an extremely important uh, uh, part of my healing and it took me a long time to be able to take my mind and calm it to where like you said where there's nothing there and the shock of understanding that there's nothing there but to take all the jumble and all the the talk all the well, you just had this cut out, and um, you, this is what you're supposed to feel. This is how you're supposed to act. This is what you're supposed to do. 
and get rid of all that. It took me a while to kind of stop that because that's what I was hearing from the outside and what I thought were professionals. It took me a minute to kind of think about it and to kind of push all that out and then focus more on this is what I need to do. I had to have a conversation with my own body and say, this is how I need to heal. This is what I feel is important to me. And um, mm. I, think, I think my Qigong helped me to get to that point because it allowed me to focus more on listening to my body and knowing what I needed instead of listening from the outside in, which again, Qigong is the same principle. Definitely. Yeah, right. yeah. That's what I try to do at the end of classes now is always um, place your hand on your heart and try and focus, really hone in on your heartbeat. And you can, I can do it now quite easily. Then you focus on the pulse on your fingertips and then you focus on the, the uh, delay from your heartbeat to your fingertips. And then you're really connected to your body then because it, there's a, just a simple technique of your palm and your fist. You push it out into the air People find that really simple. And then when you start to do it into your body, oh, people <laughs> start to go all over the place straight away. And I, I see that that is because we're trained to go out, we're conditioned to go out in this world rather than come into our, ourselves. And when we start to learn mm -hmm. to come into ourselves, it's, it's a lot different world altogether. And you see it completely differently. And, and, and that's what Qigong helps you to do is to focus on the inside. And I, and I said... Um, in one of my blogs, it goes, journey inside and you succeed outside. And it's, it's, it's important what you're saying then, because when you quieten the mind and calm the mind, you learn to respond to situations. Because going back to what I said earlier about being in the uh, sympathetic nervous state, we react and we're reacting and reacting and reacting. And we start to use our intellect to protect ourselves and our intellect just cuts and cuts and cuts and cuts. So reacting and cutting, reacting and cutting, what happens when you keep reacting and cutting, there'll be nothing left. Yep. It's all cut down to where as you learn to respond, of course you react if you've got a tiger walking around the corner in the jungle, you've got to react, you react quickly, which is why we have reactions. But we tend to react all the time rather than respond. So you, what used to drive my brother's bananas, especially one of them used to like pick on me, is from a very early age, I learned not to react to him. So I'd sit, I'd take all the garbage that was thrown at me, I'd go to bed with it, come up the next morning and go, well, I think this, 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 and this. And he would get so annoyed with me because I'm thinking, well, this, this is too reasonable. <laughs> you can't be like this. I go, yeah, of course it is, because I've thought about it. You, you want to have a big ding-dong row, and I don't want to do that anymore. I want it to be – and that's where your reason comes from, is your response to uh, – situations rather than reacting and it's sometimes it's a bit difficult to get that straight away because well you know i, I do respond and, I, and uh, but it's are you responding for the best and what we call in in our korean practice we call it hong ik which is what's good for me is good for you also so we're always trying to develop situations which is good for me good for you rather than thinking right this is good for me whatever happens with you happens with you is your responsibility it's no, so we, we begin to serve each other. And with that, that's where we have our trust and our trust. So I, when I set my charity up, I wouldn't take on 
um, trustees unless they'd been through certain trainings because then I knew they'd been through that training and I could trust them 100% with my business. You know, I could give them my card with my PIN number and I could trust them with that, you know, and, and things like that. And know that they're, they're, even if they become really hard up, that they would not do anything that would, would be detrimental to me because they'd been through this training. That's how important I feel this training is, is that we begin to trust each other and we begin to love each other and respect each other and go, yeah, well, you're going through the same experience as me. So why would I want to make yours worse when I know that how difficult mine is? Because I feel just being a human being going through this self-realization and self-actualization process is hard enough when you, when you, especially in the Western world today, when you've got to look at uh, aspects like death, which are looked upon as really taboo and, and scary in the West. But really, if you look at it, it's just like walking through a door. You're just going through a different um, experience. And it's not, uh, it's, it's what, how much you attach to this material world. So that's like you're going into Buddhism there. But how much you attach to this material world is how much you're going to come back and experience that again. So, and, but with the Tao philosophy, it's like polishing the diamond and we call it Chanwa, which means soul completion, i.e. you're going to complete your life, what you came here to do. And I feel what I've come here to do is share this energy that I've got that's been given to me for some reason. I don't know why. I really don't know why. But for some reason, I, I against all odds, I keep pushing this stuff out, pushing this stuff out. I've been out to um, speak to politicians about it. I've spoken to local councils about it, and I, can't, I couldn't believe it when with my first job um, as a Qigong instructor in the gym, I was talking about the chakra system and the meridians to council workers. And they're going, this sounds really interesting. We'll have to get you into the gym and try it out. I'm going, what? You know, it's like incredible stuff. So through adversity, we can keep pushing, keep pushing and keep keep opening our minds and keep talking to other people about this and get them to build up their empirical evidence. I've got so much empirical evidence, my own experiences, that I can say this is true. Uh, but it's getting other people to do that. And you can do that with uh, things we call it jigam, which is like an energy meditation. Some people call it like building the energy ball or um, there's that kind of, we call it jigam, which is 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 a paradigm shifter for people because they suddenly realize that the electromagnetic energy is not just them, it's around them as well. So this is an empty space. This is all full of energy and potential. And you can connect with that with your hands, which I, I love that feeling of actually that resistance and dragging and pushing feeling with your hands. It starts to make you realize I'm forming energy in between my palms now with my mind. I mean, this is just mind blowing. And then you can bring that energy into your body. You can etherically clear it with simple Qigong moves to clear your energy lines and your chakra system. You can, I've actually felt my chakras coming out of the body as I've come up with my hands, I've got into that mm. such a deeper state. And when, when you do like repulsing the monkey, I, I feel the, the hairs on my arms bristling as the hand goes past the arms with the energy coming out of my hands as I'm pushing out that negative energy out of my body with the new energy coming in. And I've seen like a really bright blue sort of uh, star. I... I've done a little bit of research into the Hopi Indians in America with the, the, the blue star Kachina. And, I, and I, I was sitting in a workshop. This happened to me for the first time. And I must have looked like I've, I've just dropped it in from space. So I was going, the blue star Kachina came to me. <laughs> it's in the middle of my head. 
And it did. It, I just felt cleansed. That whole thing, the whole thing felt amazing to me. Whether it was the blue star cartoon, I don't know. Is is like relate the blues related to your upper chakras and seeing that in my mind's eye as clearly as I see you here on the screen is, is incredible. Was incredible for me and, and really made me realise that we are just starting to wake this whole thing up and it comes in cycles it comes in cycles and i am a great reader of the, the vedic texts now i'm starting to read the the vedic texts like the bhagavad gita and the um the the, the upanishads and i'm seeing that they wrote about the problems we've got today seven thousand eight thousand years ago in these in these texts and uh, it's just it's, it's jaw dropping to realise that this was predicted and this is a cycle, and then you realise that everything is cycles. We all have cycles. We have cycles in our body. We have cycles in our nature. We have cycles in our earth. Cycles in our time, rather than linear, which is what we were made to think that everything is linear. You start here, you finish here. Actually, no, it's a cycle. Uh, and those cycles are important for you to recognize because once you start to recognize your cycles, you can start to break them and break the bad habits, break the bad things that are coming around. Because I noticed, especially going through uh, the training, the Qigong training, we're becoming more sensitive in my body. I noticed the same scenarios happening, but just with different people. I don't know if you've seen that, ever seen that before. And you see the same people or different people turning up, but it's the same. You, you fall into the same row. You get, get into the same temper. You do the same. Driving was brilliant for me because I was one of these guys who's always waving his fist out the window. <laughs> I wasn't very calm at all. Now I drive slowly and everything's calm. It, it doesn't happen anymore so much. Uh, every, every once in a blue moon. But it happened to me all the time because I hadn't broken that cycle of being like a terribly irritable driver. And to be able to do that, my wife was very happy. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I, I would keep that feeling, especially if you ever come to Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. I, I, we were over to, we went up to, um, I can't remember the name of the place. We were up in Oregon. There was a, this little town and it was unbelievable for driving. We, I, couldn't, I was still a bit of a hothead then. I really hadn't taken up my key gong then. I was still a musician. And we were driving along and it was just unbelievable the amount of people who were, they had right away, but they would stop to let you go. And you go, well, what what are the, the laws of the road here? Why is everyone so calm? It was just, it was, it was yeah. actually wonderful to be in that town. And we we got out and hung out and had a had a a, a few uh, teas along the the uh, diners because it's all new to us. Uh, it was it was just lovely meeting the people there. It just seemed really chilled and relaxed uh, yeah, it, compared to it. It's I I we grew up, I grew up in Colorado. And okay. we live up in a mountain town. Uh, it was about 8,500 feet up. And yeah, very calm, very nice. Uh, I was a cop down in the Colorado Springs area. Um, the traffic there wasn't too bad. Nothing, nothing like coming to Phoenix, Arizona. I mean, I'm retired. I, I would tell every time I go out, I would tell my wife, if I was a cop here, they'd hate me. It'd be ticket, 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 ticket. <laughs> Because they just drive like it's the end of the world. Oh, my goodness. It's just crazy. <laughs> Angry. There's road rage all the time. People pulling mm -hmm. guns out and shooting other cars. It's just... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's not cool. Oh, my goodness. Now, they need, they yeah. need Qigong. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Connect. With all this, the motivation for starting your the charity, um, which helps elderly, does it not? Yeah, the, the charity was was um, to just help the elderly. I'm going to set up a community interest company to help the children as well. Try and get into schools. I've got a few uh, instructors who are very interested in helping me with that. But the charity was designed just to help the elderly. I, could, I, I saw there's a, a pressing need for that. Uh, I felt so sad for them when I when I first started this. I, I, I had no idea this was going on in our society. When, you, when, you, when you're a musician, you live in a, like a bubble and you don't mm. see what's happening in the world. All you're doing is going from gig to gig, meeting lots of different people. But when I came out and started interacting with the, the, the world, as it were, I was shocked to see the appalling conditions that the elderly were being left in with their community centres and things like that. So I wanted to do my best to try and help them, and I got other instructors to help. And we were doing a lot of work in our in our local area, and I was getting recognised and helped by the good people and the other people who I won't call the bad people, but the other people didn't want um, me to do what I was doing. You could feel a resistance, like I would go into... Um, council meetings on health and well-being because they said, "Well, you're you're into health and well-being. You're doing such a great job with people helping people with their health and well-being." Going to this meeting, so I went into this meeting with the council, and they completely ignored the chemical stresses on human beings, uh, especially the elderly. And I put my hand up and said, "You, you, you talk, talked about the physical stress where the immobility is getting worse." And the emotional stress with the isolation, but you haven't talked anything about the chemical stress on the on their bodies. I said, "Why is that?" And they they just tried to usher me out of the room. They just tried to tell me to shut up. Oh, they didn't want me to talk about it. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. Who's who's running this council, and why is it not talking about uh, the chemical stresses? Because you can alleviate the physical and the emotional stresses quite quickly with qigong, and you can the chemical stresses, but I don't tend to go near that because it's such a, a hot topic. And But it was just shocking to me to see that they weren't addressing that whatsoever. And that's a, it's, a, it's a big bugbear for me at the moment because when you think about all the carcinogens that are in our atmosphere at the moment, like glyphosate, uh, fluoride, and all these other things, mm-hmm. you go, well, hang on a minute, this is causing our environment to deteriorate. And, and this is what I talk about. If you wanted to talk about climate change, this is the first thing that I would talk about. Our, our climate is coming to a natural cycle, a natural end. But what are they doing to um, modify the weather? They were doing that back in Vietnam with, uh, I think it was Op- Operation Popeye that was released, where they were making it rain in North Vietnam. Oh, I didn't to, know that. to stop. Yeah, look it up, Op- Operation Popeye. It's incredible. So they were modifying the weather then. What they're doing now, what technology they've got now, and, and when you talk about uh, carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide is a very strange gas, um, and it's difficult to quantify how much or how little is in the atmosphere because it can change like that. But there was um, uh, somebody, some scientists dug into the the ice caps and they went down two hundred fifty thousand years, and the actual results of that testing is completely different to what we're hearing in the, in the mainstream media, which makes me think there's agendas with things like that. And I, I find that 
something that we need to address as human beings because we need to start to look for the truth. And I think the truth comes from you, from inside, straight mm-hmm. away. And then you look outside with a responsible manner, like being responsive rather than reactive to it. And that's why I find it difficult in today's world because there's so many what our ancestors are called the illusion, the illusion, the Maya, the, the, the illusory world where our perceptions are distorted and changed to make us feel or go in certain directions. And that's what I love about Qigong is that you see people becoming their own sovereign self. They're, they're, they're becoming independent from other people and they choose their um, interactions with other people, which is what I think is so important now in this world that's changing so rapidly uh, that we need to be able to keep up with that change. And the only way to do that really successfully, I feel, is to take the journey inside, find yourself, and then watch this go around because it's just a cycle and it'll go around again. And at the end of the day, everything's said and done, you're going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay as far as I'm concerned, is what I, I can see. But it's up to you to to make that change. Uh, there was somebody who said the other a few months ago, if you don't own your super, if you don't own yourself, somebody else will. If you don't own your future self, somebody else will. And I feel we need to take empowerment or be be empowered to take steps to own our health, own our well being, own our mental well being as well. I really do feel we need to start to do that, clear the mind, and and look deeply at yourself. What are you doing? And and, and answer these questions honestly. Who am I? Why am I here? And why did I come here? You know, answer these questions and you'll find it might be you've done what you, you came here to achieve to do, which you maybe raise a beautiful family or you might find it later on in life where you want to set up, say, a podcast and spread your message out to the world or you want to go and teach. could be a foreign language or anything. It could be anything that you're passionate about, but go out and do it because the, the opportunities are all there, especially now in, the, in today's technology phenomenal age that we live in we were talking earlier about us speaking across the pond here uh, and not having this opportunity before you know 10 years ago i think we we can't do that you'd have to do it on a phone and even then i think twice about that but do it face to face is wonderful and that's what i think our technology is is going to take us into a great place as long as we use it as a tool and not as a master it's the same thing with your mind don't let your mind be the master. You be the master of your mind because your, ma- your mind is a lousy master, but it is a phenomenal tool, phenomenal tool once you start to use it properly. Same with the technology. It's, it's a phenomenal tool, but it's, it's a lousy master. And if you think about what the turnaround of human beings has, has had, we, we love our technology and we use ourselves. We should be using our technology and loving ourselves, we should. We need to switch that so that we we, we do that to, in in the proper manner, and that will change everything. As soon as more people start doing that, it will change everything. And I believe we, I'm seeing that now in front of me. I'm seeing more and more people speaking out, saying about the journey inside. Uh, I'm seeing incredible steps that people are making to do that, which is really refreshing and hopeful, and actually makes the world a beautiful place to be. Because I used to struggle with that. Before I found Qigong, coming out of my music um, business sort of career, I, used to, I was becoming very angry and bitter, and, and, and that's not me. Right. And I said to my wife the other day, look what this world almost did to me. 
almost destroyed me. And I've realized, no, here we go. We can do this. Qigong, you know, uh, meditation and all these other wonderful things. We can do this. We can turn this around. I know we can. And we're going to. You know, I, I normally ask uh, if there's one more thing. This is one more thing before you go, if you have anything else to say, uh, advice. But I think you just gave it. Uh, I think you gave yeah. us a, a, a like a clear understanding of how we should all live our lives. Yeah. Breathe. Breathe. Breathe deeply. Breathe. Learn to breathe deeply. The, the, very, the first, I got a, a free course on Udemy that teaches you uh, to breathe deeply. Um, it tells you why you should be doing that. So, yeah, to breathe deeply. And if you think about the word spiritual, which came from the word spiritus, which simply means to breathe. So mm-hmm. to live a spiritual life, you breathe. It's the connection with yourself. I mean, you look at the uh, inscriptions on the, uh, the all the temples across the Indus Valley, which is one of the cradles of our civilization, of our world today, it says, know thyself on every temple, know thyself. And also on, on temples, it used to say, we're going to carry on building temples until human beings realize that they are the temple. <laughs> so we are the temple. We are the ones building up our temple. And that's what all of this is all about. It's the raising up of the, what they call the Kundalini energy or the uh, uh, dragon energy or just your life force energy is rising up. And that's why we'll talk about the chakra system going up in energy or frequency. It's all about rising up, raising your, not even raising your frequency because you're there already. It's learning to connect with that higher frequency is is what it's all about. And I feel that's part of this whole cycle of what we're going through with our life. And I feel there's a reason for that. And it's a very potent reason that we do that is to take us to higher understandings and higher planes. And that, that's what that's all about. And I think, once you see life as a wonder like that, as a journey, it looks completely different to, oh, no, I've got another 40 years on the planet and I can't deal with it anymore. <laughs> and it's going to suck, so what do I do yeah. now? Well, <clears throat> you do Qigong and, and Qigong yeah. and, and, yeah. and go from that perspective. Um, well, let's talk about a little bit about how somebody can get in touch with you and learn more about Qigong, more about your uh, charity groups and uh, your meditation practices and so forth. So can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, you've got the website there, peterpaulparker.co.uk. You can find the two major things that I do there, which is the uh, meditation um, course that I do. It's actually about increasing your intuition. It really is designed... For highly sensitive people, which I think most of us are when we start to go down this mind-body-spirit path, we just don't realize that we are highly sensitive because we're looking for something more. So you can find it there, but it's the, it's the Bright Beings Academy uh, where I run the Qigong classes. I do two Qigong classes a week on uh, in the academy, plus a group call every month, and there's online um courses on there about meditation breathing lots of different breathing techniques lots of different joint opening exercises for shoulders uh, neck wrists so yeah it's got different um i've got different exercises on on the in the academy for dealing with different issues in the body and the charity is brighter living is actually on the bright beings website brightbeings.co.uk 
if you're in the Kingston area, the charity is working there and you can find that under brightbeings.co.uk. But it's, it's called Brighter Living. There's, there's two charities in the UK under Brighter Living. One of them is my one. <laughs> and that's just really for helping the elderly in, in the local area. So, And I'll make sure that I've got all of that information within the show notes as well so people have an easy way to connect with you. And to make sure yeah. that they can uh, be motivated, inspired, um, and and I love well, I, I love your name. I mean, I know in your bio you talk about how you added your middle name just to, di- di- you know, differentiate between <laughs> you and Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, but you're kind of a superhero in your own way. So thank you, thank you very much for um, sharing your wisdom with me and my audience, and I really appreciate the experience that you bring to us and uh, what you provide for uh, us as human beings. I, I think that you move people's soul forward in a very good way. So thank you for being on this earth. Thank you for being part of it. And uh, I really appreciate you talking with us. And so it's lovely to meet you, Thanks Michael. for listening to this episode of One More Thing so Before You, you Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved. Thank you.